This is a Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 46, Developing Emotional Resilience Through Jesus Christ with Priscilla Davis. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Stand with Lynette podcast. I'm your host, Lynette Shepard, and this is going to be an incredible time that we spend here together today with my friend, Priscilla Davis. I recorded this episode with her several months ago, and at that time, that conversation was the first time we had ever had a conversation. I, mean, I know knew her a little bit on social media, but that's about it. In the days and weeks and months since then, Priscilla and I have gotten to know each other pretty well, and I just love her so much. And I think that the, the stuff she's talking about on her Instagram account and the stuff that she talks about in this interview is absolutely vital for us to understand as Latter-day Saint women in these latter days, because we're going to talk about emotional resilience, which I think is the skill, the skill that we need to navigate the challenges of these last days with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. She brings emotional resilience back to Jesus Christ in a beautiful, amazing way. And it's something that we all need to be able to do and to teach our children to do. So I cannot wait to introduce you to my friend Priscilla. So without any further ado, let's get to that interview. Hello, hello, my friends. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend Priscilla Davis today, who is here to share her story of faith, and I cannot wait to hear it. So welcome, Priscilla. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Awesome. So can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So I live in Las Vegas with three kids and my husband. I met my husband in high school with um, his dad being our seminary teacher. And I just always think like, you know, Heavenly Father wanted that to happen. And it was you know, even the gospel that brought us together, essentially. So we love that. I am a convert to the church, too. I started going to church when I was 10. One of my little best friends uh, living in my cul-de-sac invited me to church one day. And we used to be Catholic before, but my parents were like, yeah, you know, like her family is great, kind people. Uh, let's let her learn more. And my parents eventually also had the missionaries over and like in that cul-de-sac let's say that there was like five or six houses half of them were members and and so our next door neighbors and my best friend's parents would always just befriend my family and one by one our family of five got baptized and by now we have aunts cousins uncles that have uh, accepted the gospel and we've had kids. So now from like that family of five, we probably have like 20, 25 uh, church members, like just grow from wow. that like first generation. So that is so fun. And then uh, in just my own personal life and hobby, I, I got a journalism degree 
from BYU with a minor in family life. And I think the overarching theme is like, I love to tell stories, to share the gospel and to just stand up for, for families. And I get to do that just for fun on Instagram, but I hope uh, I'm thinking like one day I'll go back and get my master's degree, maybe in like mental health counseling, or maybe I want to be an author and write books or do like speaking assignments. Who knows what I'll do in the future, but I just know that for now, I love talking about the gospel, families, mental health, how to be emotionally resilient with Jesus Christ. And that is what I like to do. That's awesome. Yeah, she has an amazing Instagram account called She Shares Goodness. So go find her on Instagram and see all of her wonderful thoughts that she shares there. But that that's kind of how I feel. Who knows what the future will, will hold? We'll just take it one step at a time. And I am with you loving to talk about Jesus, as you can probably tell by what we're doing here today. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you joined the church when you were 14. Who mm -hmm. knew that, that your friend was the one to invite you, right? Or was it her parents that invited your family to church? Yeah, yeah, no, she did as a little 10 year old. And we went to, to sacrament meeting and to a primary. I remember thinking, um, like, it was a little weird because her dad was a part of the bishopric. So I was like, why is he sitting up there? Like, because in the Catholic church, it's like just like the main priest guy. Right, right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if that's different. Like, a everyday dad, I'm like, my neighbor is like a preacher. Like, that was just weird. And then they talked about the Book of Mormon, that first uh, meeting. And I was like, wait, another book of scripture? That's like, because they, they talked about the Bible too. So I'm like, they use two books of scripture. So I was really intrigued. And my little 10 year old brain was like, okay, well, I mean, they, they talk about Jesus, they talk about love, they talk about being kind to our neighbors. I'm like, this all sounds true and good to me. Yeah. That's so cool, though, that it was instigated by a 10-year-old to a 10-year-old. Yes. And now it's this whole posterity that's growing of people who are in the gospel. That just goes to show that you just never know. Like, the small and simple mm -hmm. invitations can yield so much um, that we may not even realize or see. And I, I love that. So you join the church as a teenager. And now, how has your faith evolved as you have grown from your teenage years up into adulthood and to being married and having a family what does that evolution of faith look like for you i think uh what has i don't know just made me grow is my study habits in the gospel because as a young child you know i didn't grow up going to primary or reading scriptures daily with my family you know, I didn't know any of the primary songs. I'm still trying to learn them now. Um, and so it really made me accountable to learn for myself and just put the, I don't know, just put in the, the hard work to, to learn gospel doctrine, to learn all the different beliefs that we have. And I remember one of the main differences that I found in getting baptized was prayer because um, in the Catholic church, um, especially I remember I have memories with like my grandma 
kneeling with me and we'd pray and we'd recite the Lord's Prayer. So that is uh, written down in scripture and it's a beautiful prayer. But I remember after I said amen, sometimes I would wonder like, oh, but, but can I say anything else? Like, you know, can I say certain things that I'm feeling or certain things that I want to talk to God about? And so when I learned that Heavenly Father wants us to pray to Him at all times, anytime, about anything, like He listens and He knows us by name, those two things were kind of mind-blowing to me. I was literally just thinking uh, as a teenager and a kid, like, Heavenly Father knows my name. And he knows what I'm going through. It just made it so personal that like a God that is so like universal and grand and majestic also takes the time to listen to a small child, to a teenager who is, you know, seeking help. And, and by now, as I've grown uh, as a mom of three kids, um, I'm, I'm learning the gospel for myself but I'm also learning it to teach uh, my children. And so I have to know like what I believe in. I have to have that testimony. I have to have that foundation. So the fact that I didn't know everything as a teenager, it actually pushed me to work harder. And, and I'm so grateful for what I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that just goes to show you talked about putting in the work. Sometimes I think that we just expect that it will be easy, that we'll just know things, that it will just come naturally. And that's not always the case. And mm -hmm. we have to be willing to put in the work, whether you're a convert or whether you grew up in the church. At some point, you have to put in the work to become truly converted to the gospel. And yes. you talk about habits and routines. What does that look like for you? What kind of things do what kind of work have you put in to get to the place you are now with your faith? So I think that, you know, everyone jokes around and says like, oh, primary answers are, you know, prayer and scripture. And because they're, they're so simple to say, they're so simple in theory to do. But I feel like the consistent but imperfect um, habit of reading my scriptures and praying really has made all the difference. And that's what I like to say, like to our family is that like, like we're not perfect in our prayer and um, scripture study, but we are consistent because it is the expectation is daily and, and we're human. So we give ourselves grace when it doesn't happen. You know, we fall asleep, we're out late, but I just love having the consistency. And right now my specific uh, study habits is since I have three kids, 10 and under, uh, ideally, I like to study before they wake up. <laughs> yeah. I, I do just love that like sunrise light or I mean, right now it's like pitch black yeah. uh, when I wake up, but that like silence, it makes me feel so much closer to Heavenly Father. I feel like the world is so loud that sometimes we can't hear him as well because we can't stop and slow down. So first thing in the morning, I like to, I, sometimes I switch it up. Sometimes I like to pray before I read because I pray like, dear Heavenly Father, please help me understand the scriptures. Or sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
let me read first, let me kind of get inspiration, and then I can pray and ask for for what I need that day. But um, that I like to read just like a little blurb or paragraph of the Come Follow Me manual and and then read maybe a little bit of that book that we're reading this year. So right now it's the Old Testament and I think and ponder that for a little bit. And it, it doesn't have to be long, you know, whether it's like five to like 15 minutes. And then I switch over to the Book of Mormon because I just think that it's such a powerful testimony builder. And there's there's so many quotes by prophets and general authorities. Um, like I'm pretty sure a lot of people will remember a general conference talk where the the man speaking said, like, you know, we need to be reading the Book of Mormon every day, every day, every day. I recall <laughs> I, I, the repetition. I just, yeah, I can just hear him saying that out loud every day. And President Nelson also said, like, I promise you, if you read the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. And so that, like, to me, that means even just a verse of the Book of Mormon, even just like looking at something that I previously highlighted it and just kind of like, oh, okay, like, I love that. I remember why I highlighted it. Um, sometimes it's a paragraph, sometimes I get into like a, a deeper study of a certain topic or something but i think the point is is to be uh consistent with those holy habits and righteous routines and that that makes all the difference and lately what i'm adding in is i want to uh, journal more about what i'm reading president nelson i think by now has said at least two or three times to record our promptings and then act on them and i think like when he repeats something that's very, very important. Sometimes, like, I don't even know why yet, but it, it is causing me to act better and to be, like, more intentional about what I'm doing throughout the day because I wrote it down first. And in, in general, I've always, like, I've kept a diary um, since I was a little kid, and then I got really lazy now as a mom, but I really felt, like, the strong urge to start journaling again. Yeah. So I just went back through all of the general conference talks from October of this year and wrote down all of the invitations and three different people mentioned that exact quote, holy habits and righteous routines, mm -hmm. and then proceeded to list prayer, scripture study, going to the temple service, you know, like all the primary answers, like you said, and three different people. And I, I'm pretty sure they were quoting President Nelson at the time. Um, but like you said, like repetition, makes me want to listen more and i am with you that those holy habits and righteous routines make all the difference in fact there was <laughs> this is kind of funny um a few months ago in sunday school our gospel doctrine teacher got up and he asked some sort of a question and <laughs> this is going to sound harsh because it kind of was but he's like um he points to the door that across the other side of that door is the primary room, right? Across the hall on the other side. And he's like, I don't want your primary answers. If you give me primary answers, you can go over there to primary. Ooh. And I was like, 
<laughs> what? The primary answers are the answers. This is how we make progress in our lives is by doing the little things, the primary answers. And that's bugged me ever since. <laughs> because I'm just like, no, listen to the prophet. Holy habits and righteous routines. Read your scriptures, say your prayers, do the things. It makes so much difference. And um, yes, I love that. I can attest to that. And also how you said that you like to spend the first you know, the first part of your day, just connecting with God. I think for me, that makes a huge difference as well. If I leave my phone alone, unless I'm putting, pulling out my scriptures or something and just connect with heaven first, I think that makes so much difference in how I feel and the choices that I make throughout the rest of the day. So yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> the simple things, connecting with God, it makes all, all the difference. Okay, so I want to switch gears for a minute. And in, in the prep work for this episode, you mentioned that you love learning how to be emotionally resilient. Can mm -hmm. you tell us why and how you developed that love for emotional resilience? So I don't know if um, you or a lot of the audience has learned about it yet, but the church has a, a self-reliance course called uh, I think it's called Finding Strength in the Lord, Emotional Resilience Through uh, Self-Reliance, mm -hmm. something like that. I just call it the Emotional Resilience class. Yeah. But it came out as a pilot program in 2020, and uh, my stake got to participate in the pilot program, which is why it was new. It wasn't announced yet worldwide. And I flipped through the manual, and it it had the the different sections, and it talked about our divine worth, our eternal identity, um, said things about faith, about anger, about sadness, about depression, about helping others. And then I thought like, oh, like this is like mental health gold <laughs> for, for church members and, and, and people worldwide. And um, my husband and I got to participate and be facilitators of the, the course that so we hosted people in our home. And week by week, we started teaching each other about things like thought work and meditation and you know, how to deal with stress, different coping skills. And every single topic was tied back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for me, it's kind of funny because I talk, I do talk about mental health a lot on, on social media because I struggled with teen depression myself. So I've been through therapy um, as a mom with like postpartum stuff. I've done medication and I, I advocate for all of that. Of course, I think it's great, but uh, I have a best friend who she said like talk therapy just doesn't work for her. Um, so medication works for her and that's amazing. And she's a church member. So she, she leans on Christ to help her with her mental health. Um, I took medication and it wasn't that helpful. I didn't like the side effects and in a day where we're like, so cautious about what we're putting into our bodies, I was just like, it's not really for me. So, uh, as I've just learned to keep up a healthy mental health. Um, I just have come to realize that whatever combination of like therapy, medication, and the gospel, um, none of that works 
unless we do rely on Jesus Christ, because I believe that he's our master healer and he has given us wonderful medical tools, but let's just say like if we do therapy and or medication, but we leave Christ alone, I don't think we'll ever be able to fill that void that we're feeling. And so that's why I love to talk about uh, emotional resilience. And uh, I feel like the best way to describe emotional resilience is the ability to adapt to life's challenges and trials with faith centered in Jesus Christ. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I have not been through that course myself, but I've heard it's awesome. And yep, it's yep, you got to do it. <laughs> you can know. even look through them. You can even look through the manual just on the Gospel Library app and you can essentially like self-teach. Um, so I like to like pop it open all the time because it has so many like legitimate tools, not just like a cute quote to make you feel good. It says like, do this, act on it. And, and it's amazing. That's awesome. My stake did a few rounds of the self-reliance stuff and then we haven't done it for a while. And so mm -hmm. I don't know like when or if they're going to, they're going to put the classes back together again, but it's good to know that it's just, it's there and we can go and look at it. And mm -hmm. I think emotional resilience is the skill that we need in these oh, yeah. days. Like everyone in the world, it's, it's not a coincidence. You know how like we got come follow me before we all had to stay home and like so many things have been introduced to the church um you know kind of like even years before we needed it i feel that way about this program because it came out in the fall of 2020 and released to the world in 2021 i think and i mean we all know that we we are still in like an epidemic of mental health issues around the world and so, so Heavenly Father is, is watching out for us and he wants to help us. He gave us tools, he gave us, um, you know, the prophets who like revealed the, the curriculum to do these sort of things. And in the, in the manual, uh, someone, I was talking to someone and they were concerned like, oh, like the church is giving out like mental health advice. And I was like, well, yeah, they are. But throughout the manual, it does like several times say like, if you're suicidal, like call this number. Like if you need like immediate help, like go talk to a professional, you know, like right away. So it's not demeaning any of these um, life-saving things, um, but it's adding to it because I think everyone, regardless of whether they have time or can afford um, to go to therapy, all of us, should be working on our own mental health um, here at home daily, because that's how we deal with life's challenges. You know, um, I feel like when I when I went to therapy, it was once a week, and I went for six months. But she weaned me off my therapist. She she had me go every week for a couple months, and then every other week, and then monthly, and then she's like, "Okay, Priscilla, like." I have taught you the tools that you need and, and now you can do this on your own. Yeah. And, and that, that is what makes us self-reliant. We're, we're taught to be self-reliant in finances, in food, in, you know, finding work. And the, the fact that we want to be self-reliant 
in our own um, mental health. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you've been through these mental health challenges. How does that affect your spiritual, your spiritual self-reliance if your mental stuff is out of whack a little bit? How do, how do those play together? I feel like it's a reminder that I need to lean back to Jesus Christ again. Because sometimes when you get stuck in this spiral of stress, of overwhelm, sometimes you freeze and paralyze yourself a little bit. Um, you know, you don't do the things that you want to do throughout your day. You feel a little bit uh, hopeless. And, and then you start putting it all on yourself, thinking like, oh, I, I'm not doing enough. Like, I'm not good enough. Like, I, I, I. But then when you connect your mental health to your spiritual health, then it reminds me like, I don't have to do this alone. And I am not alone. Heavenly Father is there just waiting for me to talk to him, to to learn from him. And, and then that puts me in a different mindset. And you start to feel a lot more peace because fear doesn't come from, from God. Um, and those like negative feelings, that's just the adversary trying to bring you down and trying to stop you from doing whatever work you're supposed to be doing. And so when I stop and like recenter myself, do those, you know, habits that can bring me closer to Christ, then with that added peace, I feel like, okay, I can do this. I can keep going, just do the next right thing. And I really do love that, even though it comes from Frozen. Or I don't know who else said it, but, you know, just do <laughs> yeah. the next right thing. Sometimes, like, when I when I talked about that, like, paralyzed feeling, you know, you're so overwhelmed. You have so much to do. You're like, what do I do next? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm just supposed to go and make dinner. Like, that's, that's all that matters. Like, I need to feed myself. I need to feed the kids. We'll worry about what's next later. But just do the next right thing. I love that, too. Is that from Frozen? I don't even know where that's from. There's a song on Frozen 2. <laughs> okay. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> I love it. <laughs> that, we can learn wisdom from Disney shows. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes. The next right thing is always the most important. I too can relate to just when I start to make a list of all the things. And maybe this is why I hate lists. I really hate lists because I'm like, I'll never get to all the things. <laughs> There's so much to do. Uh, but the next right thing is always what we need to focus on. It's just sometimes hard to discern what is the next right thing. And maybe it's making dinner and maybe it's taking a nap or maybe it's something bigger. You know, that's, that's the hard part, at least, at least for me. How do you discern the next right thing? So this is, this is really funny because um, this comes from the Emotional Resilience Manual. It talks about every day making yourself what's called like a, a daily tasks sheet. And it does have you make a checklist, but it says um, like write down the things that you feel like you have to do, add people's names that you want to do service to, and then um, categorize them by a number of like what is most important and it just it makes you like pause for a minute be like okay like what is more important today um, I don't know you know helping my kids bake cookies because they wanted to take it to a friend or 
is it, I don't know, doing like extra loads of laundry, right? And so that like small pause to like, cause like for me, I actually do like checklists because I feel so overwhelmed in my brain that I need like a brain dump to just like get it all out. And when I see it physically on paper, I can see like, okay, like what does Heavenly Father actually care about? So, I mean, like I have to admit, like, I mean, ask my husband, <laughs> thankfully he doesn't care and he gives me so much grace, but I put off like dishes or like making our bed so often because I just feel like other things are more important. And like um, my husband works a lot. He works evenings. So sometimes when he comes home late, um, if we have dishes in the sink, I like, I always choose him and we like sit down to connect and talk about our day or we watch a TV show or something. We'll always do that versus doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I wish I could be one of those people that just like goes to bed with like a perfectly clean sink. And I try, I try so hard, but, but sometimes I, I just choose a different priority. So back to the task sheet. Um, after you write those things down, like you accomplish your things. And the, the manual said to return and report, <laughs> which is funny because we hear that in other places of the church, yeah. but I've never like thought about it with like a checklist or like what I'm doing with my day. And that reminded me again to journal about it. And it kind of brings you awareness to like, what did you do today? Like, was that worth spending time on? And like, it made me feel like Heavenly Father does care about like what I spend my time on. And so once you're like consistently like writing down like your priorities, focusing on just what actually matters, and then um, thinking about it at the end of the day, that like consistent habit, it'll, it'll help you realize what's more um, important like for the next day, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that's so good. There, I've never thought of return and report in that way either, being accountable to yourself. Yes. And sometimes yeah. when you have to check in at the end of the day and say, well, actually, what did I do today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I'm just thinking about, okay, let me think about my day yesterday and what did I actually do versus maybe what I should have been focusing on. And those don't always align. And that's kind mm-hmm. of uncomfortable to have to face the fact that, oh, I wasted way too much time scrolling on Instagram yep. and didn't get this other thing done that was important. And there was a there was a point in time not that long ago where I just felt like, well, I don't have time to read my scriptures. I don't have time to do those things. And then when I actually looked at how I was spending my time, mm-hmm. like I was wasting so much time doing things that don't matter at all. And then trying to justify well, I don't have time to read my scriptures. And that was, that was an uncomfortable moment, but also a very much a catalyst for growth because Mm -hmm. I realized I'm the boss of my time, (laughs) you know? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's so good. So what are some of the other practical tools in the emotional resilience course? Maybe one or two other practical tools that, that you learned that you could share with us. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that I just thought about was about, um, thought work about asking ourselves if the thought that we're having is actually true or not. Like, how accurate is it? Um, Like, for example, you know, say the other day I got really overwhelmed with what I had to 
to do in my home. And I think like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I didn't do the dishes again, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> and I am being a bad example to my kids and I am, you know, not being orderly in my home. And so you have these thoughts that essentially are from the adversary because they want you to, like, he wants you to feel less than. But when I pause and think and ask myself, is this thought actually true? Then I can think back to what I've been taught and I can tell myself, like, no, that's not true. I am of infinite worth. Heavenly Father loves me. Jesus, um, Jesus Christ's atonement is for moments like this when I fall short, but he can give me grace and I can try again and do better tomorrow. And then that, um, that feeling that I have of like despair, then it changes into hope and faith and you just feel better. You just feel good. So I I really like that. Yeah, I think we tell ourselves stories a lot and then believe Mm -hmm. them, even when they're not true. (laughs) Yes. So that's good to stop and question. Mm -hmm. And then another one, uh, another tool from the manual, um, it was just talking about our general mental health for the day, and it categorizes it into four different colors. So if we're green, then like, we feel good. We feel optimistic. We can go on with our day to day. We all have challenges, but you you're like in a good spot. Yellow, you are starting to feel some of that overwhelm. You're starting to feel a little bit more anxious. You're starting to just question yourself and your worth. So, you know, you want to keep an eye out on that and and do the things like like exercise or eat healthy or listen to music, right? So you get back to green. Orange, you are definitely feeling this high level of stress where you are starting to, you know, just not be able to fully function. Maybe you're you're starting to forget things. Maybe you are leaving aside some of those priorities because you are feeling more paralyzed. Um, the manual said, like, this is definitely an area where you have to, like, stop and redirect so that you do those um, kind of like self-care habits, um, including scripture and prayer, you know, so that you can feel better again. And then a red state is you need immediate, like mental health, professional help um, as soon as possible. Um, like if you need to call a suicide hotline, if you need to tell a trusted friend that you need help, that is that red zone. And um, I think that's really important because uh, as a mom, I want to be able to see those things in my children and see like, like, how are you doing? You know, like, how can I help you? And then for myself, like if, if I'm in that orange level, I can't show up and be the best uh, spouse or, um, or mom or friend. And it reminds me to do those, um, you know, healthy habits and righteous routines again, because it, it you know, puts us back in green. So I just love that. It makes you really aware. And I just feel like Heavenly Father cares about how we're feeling. And he doesn't want us to be in that like orange red zone. He wants us to get back to green because I feel like 
that's what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> We're going to yeah. have this perfect green state of eternal happiness. And this earth life is, is just a practice. Yeah. That's so, uh, yes, again, practical tools. That's so good just to be aware of where we are on that scale. And I like how you mentioned that to do the, the holy habits and righteous routines, but also self-care practices in addition to that, exercise, listening to music, taking care of ourselves. Do you feel like those two things are really connected? I know, I know yep. I do, but how, do, Absolutely. How, how have you found that in, in your experience? It's funny. I, I talked about this in an Instagram post a, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I, I made a little reel just telling everyone that I needed to start eating better <laughs> because I was starting to feel like very like blah, and that was the me too. Me, me too. Yeah, my spiritual <laughs> health. I'm like, okay, like if I have a stomach ache from eating, you know too much cake or candy or something, then I'm not going to be in the right mindset to, you know, be calm and patient with my kids, you know, to feel the spirit. And I, I know for a fact that like exercising and eating healthy is, is like good for our soul and like not just our bodies. So it's like all of it, our brain, our soul, our hearts, our bodies. And, um, the more that I have studied about our bodies um, and how they're, you know, a gift from God and that they're a temple, like we have to take care of them. And sometimes like, it's so funny. Like <laughs> my husband makes fun of me because I don't really like vegetables sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Mexican. Like my parents are from Mexico and we grew up with a lot of Mexican food but you just don't eat broccoli and Brussels sprouts next to like enchiladas and tostadas. It's, it's true. And, <laughs> it's like you just don't. And um, thankfully my mother-in-law raised her son, right? And, you know, they grew up with like a lot of fruits and veggies. And so like my whole life, I'm trying to like incorporate that. And I tell my kids, I'm like, see, like I ate my veggies too. <laughs> but um when I, when I look at taking care of our bodies from a spiritual perspective, I do it so much better because otherwise, like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. I, there's a scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants. I should memorize a reference because it comes to my mind so often where mm -hmm. the Lord says that nothing, that everything is spiritual to him. Everything yeah. is spiritual to him. Our our temporal health as well as our spiritual health, it, it's all connected. And those things play well together or they don't play well together, depending on what we're choosing to do. And I think mm -hmm. that's so key to, to remember that all things are connected. Our spirituality is affected by a lots of other things. And we need to be looking at it in a more holistic, holistic sense, I guess. So Yep. When when the emotional resilience manual there is a section on like eating healthy and like exercise or something. And there was a line that said to limit sugar. And I was like, see, I'm supposed to work on it. Like, <laughs> sometimes you tell yourself like, oh, it's no big deal, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not going to make that much of a difference. Um, but, but it does. So it does. Those little things add up. 
both ways, yeah. right? The good little things and the not so good little things, they all add mm -hmm. up to make an impact. <laughs> okay, Priscilla, I have one last question for you as we wrap up this interview. And it is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? So I believe that, you know, everyone is on their own journey on the covenant path. So of course we need to be compassionate to, to everyone on like their level of like activity in the church or how, you know, they show up in the world. Uh, but for me, especially like as a convert, like being out of the church and now I'm in, like, I just choose to be all in. Um, I was talking to a friend who was saying that some people, um, in the world and also like in church membership, sometimes like we don't realize the the importance of like the restoration of Christ church. Like the fact that we have temples, prophets, and the priesthood, that is so unique to the world. And and I want to take like advantage of like those blessings that we have here on earth. Like I know that I have priesthood power through like my baptism and temple covenants. I know that, um, you know, we have prophets on the earth today and that they were sent here by God. I know that temples are, you know, the Lord's house. And so I want to be all in so that I can take advantage of all those three things. And because like, that, that's why I became a convert because my Catholic church didn't have those things. And it's still a beautiful religion. I still like, you know, half my family members are, are still Catholic. And it's it's so beautiful to learn from religions all over the world. But when I focus on the priesthood, the prophets and temples, I just feel like I do have this added power to be emotionally resilient. It, it's what helps me. So that's how I want to be all in. I love it. I love it. Can we all be all in? Let's follow Pris Priscilla's example and commit to be all in because that is where we get power from the Lord <laughs> by being all in and really truly living our covenants and, and standing firmly in that place. So it has been a joy to talk to you today, Priscilla. Thank you so much for being willing Thank to come you, on you and too. share your story. Can you just tell people where they can connect with you online if they want to follow you and receive more of your light and goodness? Yes. Just find me on Instagram under the handle she shares goodness. And I try to show up on there. Uh, almost daily with just some inspiration, some quotes from prophets, just some thoughts on uh, these latter days and how to deal with it all. I love it. I will link that in the show notes so you can just click away and go over and find her. But thank you again, Priscilla. It has been amazing to talk to you. Thank you. You too. Okay, my friends, what did you think of my friend Priscilla? Isn't she amazing? I just love her so much and I loved learning from her in this episode. I loved her story of being converted by her 10-year-old friend. That just makes me so happy that even little children can have such an impact on generations to come in the gospel. And I loved learning from her about emotional resilience and it makes me want to go take that self-reliance class or at the very least open it up on my gospel library app and learn some more of those practical tools that she taught us today. 
so many amazing things that we can do when we tie our mental health, our spiritual health, and our emotional health all together back to Jesus Christ. That is the whole point, my friends. That is what we need to learn to do. So I'm so glad that you were able to learn from Priscilla today. And I hope you are excited to now go move forward with a little more emotional resilience. And my friends, I also wanted to remind you of the fact that if you want to develop some of these holy habits and righteous routines that Priscilla talks about in this episode, I have my Shine 40 challenge, which is available all the time. Now you can sign up at any point. I'll put a link right in the show notes. It will help you to develop these habits and more. That will help you to increase your emotional resilience as you tie yourself more closely to Jesus Christ. So that's in the show notes. Thanks for being here. I can't wait to see you back here again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepherd. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D or at lynetteshepherd.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.